What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week in WWE as we are a little under a week away until Money in the Bank going down this Saturday from the O2 Arena in London, England. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right hand, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner, who gave us a heartfelt, emotional story this past Tuesday on NXT. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you for having me, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. I'm excited about the conversations we're going to have. I feel real good tonight. Feel real good tonight. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be a great show. You know, it's going to be a fantastic show. So, what you're saying is that Salty's not here tonight, but extra perky Scott Young is here in the building days before Money in the Bank. Take it easy. Take it easy now. Okay. <laughs> nobody, no, nobody said perky was here. Take it easy. Okay. <laughs> I might be a little jolly. Might be a little jolly. You know what I mean? But perky's a bit much. But there's a great chance I'll be perky by the time they get to London. Okay, so we're going to settle in on Jolly Scott Young this week. Yeah. Is that fair? I absolutely think Jolly's fair. Okay. It is coded. It is official. Jolly Scott Young is here with us this evening, but we're not alone as we've done the crossover this month right here on The Wrap via the Strong Style Podcast as we get ready for Forbidden Door, which has already taken place in the past. I know it's a thing. How you record the show? Present past tense is a thing. But Jeremy Finestone is here to provide his takes on all things WWE as he pulls not double, but triple duty across all platforms with the Fight Game Media family. Welcome back, Jeremy, to the show. Big week, big week. A lot of talking I've had to do this week. I will say AEW and New Japan have had a very, very, very bright week of events coming on. But that's not to say that there is not a corona-sized eclipse of the Money in the Bank event coming. And Scott, I got to say, I'm not sure jolly is the word. I'm going to get a vibe that you're going to be a little bit sassy tonight, and I'm here for it. Let's get it on. Listen, you might you might get a couple neck snaps, you know. You might get a couple, couple, couple of these, you know. Who knows what's gonna happen? But I'm absolutely in a jolly mood. Um, sans the white beard, 
but you feel me? I, I you know, <laughs> definitely in a jolly mood. My God. So we got like a Santa joke. We got sassy Scott Young possibly making a cameo. Like he is the only person on the show that any nickname for him works. And I love that adjectives are truly Scott's best friend. I'm coming after uh, Mr. Wyatt as far as personalities go. <laughs> he ain't got nothing on my clan. All right. Let me tell you, I'm ready for his Survivor Series team. I don't the know. It might faces. be Salty Rim Scott tonight. It might be. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now I want a margarita desperately. Woo. <laughs> okay. Let's settle down. Let's ease into things a little bit as we take a deep dive into all things WWE via Monday Night Raw going down this past Monday from the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio. And we kick things off with an old-fashioned ass whooping as Finn Balor attacked Seth Rollins from behind as he was getting ready for this open challenge for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And Finn Balor attacked Seth from behind in the ring and proceeded to whoop his ass six race from Sunday, but not one double foot stomp or coup de gras, not two coup de gras, but three coup de gras, two Seth Rollins on the floor, on the steps, off the announce table. We have people trying to break up the fight. Then we go to commercial break five minutes into Monday Night Raw, which is unheard of. We come back and the ass whooping continues backstage with Finn Balor laying in more shots on Seth and is basically sending a message. Seven years of frustration, seven years of anger leading to this moment of frustration and Finn wants his championship desperately and we needed this kind of heat for this angle because up until now I love Finn I love the Finns I love Judgment Day but in terms of the booking it's been very weak for Finn and this was a Vince McMahon call he kind of changed some things on Monday night but he thought it was imperative for Finn to have some heat on Seth heading into their championship match of Money in the Bank this Saturday. And for that alone, I really like the angle. I think it was a bait and switch with the title situation, which I totally understand as well. But in terms of getting heat on Finn Balor, this was sorely needed on Monday night. I enjoy the ass whooping. Seth sold it for the most part. He was kind of, you know, saying, well, this doesn't really bother me from the hospital, but he's game. He's good to go for the show. And he had a title defense against Bond Breaker for Gold Rush and NXT the next night. But for the angle itself, for the heat it got, Finn Balor did what he needed to do. And for that, I'm thankful, Scott. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, and let's, let's also acknowledge one other thing about Monday Night Raw in general. I know it's Seth Rollins' show. It's Monday Night Rollins. But Judgment Day runs Monday Night Raw. Like they are, their blue, their their fingerprints are just etched throughout the entire show. Like literally, the entire show is full of the Judgment Day. So, um, as far as the beatdown, I thought it was great. Uh, good call by Vince McMahon to nix the open challenge, or at least to say you're going to have the open challenge, and then Finn Balor just come and crash the plans. I think that works. As to the the quote unquote chaos that can happen with Raw. Uh, Finn Balor looked good. The three coup de gras were great. He just he kept going, and I also thought it plays into the story of Seth Rollins being this fighting champion who's then going to NXT and taking on this this young hungry dog, Braun Breaker. So it it plays into the following night into the story of Seth Rollins wanting to be this fighting champion. So I thought everything about this worked really well, and Finn came out of it looking really good. 
coming away looking like a badass, much needed, and I love that for him. And it gives him he heading into this pay-per-view, a PLE, this Saturday in London, England, where we see the Demon Finn Balor. I don't know, but he definitely needed an edge heading into this championship match this weekend. But Jeremy, your take on Finn Balor kicking off Monday Night Raw with an old-fashioned Cleveland ass whooping to Seth freaking Rollins. You know, I am absolutely here for this feud right now. Not only did Finn Bauer wait seven years for this angle, but we waited seven years for this too. Uh, Finn Bauer had that match at SummerSlam. He won the title, separated his shoulder, had to give up the title, and Seth Rollins was the reason uh, he got injured. We had to go through a Seth Rollins complete rehabilitation because of a uh, feud with The Fiend. Uh, Finn Bauer went down to NXT and had to completely repackage himself and turn into this uh, iteration of Finn Bauer now, and it took seven years. I don't care that an open challenge was thrown off to the side. This was a bigger, more consequential payoff to uh, something that if people were hanging with WWE this entire time, this is a reward for them. Uh, in many ways, shape, or form, because it feels like with Triple H putting an impetus and a premium on paying attention to a thing that happened in the past, Vince McMahon seems okay with it and tweaking it, knowing that he's not running the day-to-day aspect of that part of it. So somewhere we're getting a fusion of the respect of the past building into the future, the future, and that's all I could really ask for when it comes to building wrestling shows. It's a good balance. And sometimes Vince has a good idea. I always make the joke. He has a good idea once every three months and then he needs to go away. But this was a good move by him because we talked about this last week on the show and that poor Finn Balor was drowned out by Seth Rollins' song last Monday on Raw and he really couldn't get his promo out. He was a little frustrated. And this was a way to get his heat back by beating someone's ass. Seven years of frustration. Remember the story dating back to SummerSlam, the injury he suffered and how, and how he had to relinquish the title the next night on Monday Night Raw. So he's been through this journey of loss and you come back from your injury and you're still in limbo and you're going through it, the ups and downs, the highs and lows of being in WWE. Judgment Day was a great safety net to find a faction he could lead, which we always wanted him on the main roster. So all of this was laid out perfectly in the last year or so. Booking up until this point has been a choice, but the payoff, even though he's going to lose, is going to be sweet at the end of the day because at least WWE took care in terms of history regarding the storyline. Yeah, I just, I am... So happy that while it may not be the perfect build, there are elements of it that take into account like comic backstory, like Scott would appreciate that too, where it's just like the things that they have lined up in the past, maybe it didn't make sense at the time, but they've incorporated it into a story now that has made both superstars in this feud bigger because their motivations are so concrete and you know it but for me it's it is getting to the point where judgment day is going to have to start winning some of these feuds like they're out i mean outside of Rhea, no one wins their feuds they have these big matches they get these big opportunities but nobody's winning these feuds even dominic lost his feud with Rey mysterio like he still caught that butt whooping over the bent knee at, at wrestlemania you know what i'm saying so it's they're not winning their feuds. So at some point, one of these guys got to win their feuds or 
JD might be uh, knocking on that door sooner than later. Yeah, JD might be a thing. I think there's going to be a consequential shakeup on the the men's aspect of Judgment Day before they start winning because they can get away with a lot as long as Rhea has that world title around her waist. Agreed, definitely. And I think that she's the strongest built member in Judgment Day right now. Damien Priest is in line for, for in line for a babyface push very soon. And Finn Balor is talking to J.D. McDonough backstage. So I do sense some of the exile coming for Judgment Day. If Damien Priest and Finn Balor both lose their matches at Money in the Bank, there is going to be a conversation had between both guys, and we'll see how that goes post Money in the Bank. But it's a very compelling storyline. And, and as Scott said, Judgment Day needs a win in terms of a feud. I'm not worried about Rhea at all. Dom is going to have his heat. But for Finn and Damian Priest, some wins need to be had very soon before one of them is booted from the group, which I will sense will be happening very, very soon, possibly by SummerSlam, dare I say. It could. It absolutely could. Uh, Damian Priest, the momentum. A lot of people want to see it, but I think because a lot of people want to see it, I'm not sure they're going to pull the trigger as quickly as, as we'd like to think it would. Yeah, that's my concern as well. We just see how it goes, but they got a lot of options here and we'll see which play they'll go into post Money in the Bank. As we move on to speaking of Money in the Bank, we have the return of one Logan Paul, Cleveland's own. He comes out to a very mixed reaction. He's sitting on top of a ladder as he gets a free pass to the men's Money in the Bank ladder match this Saturday in London, England. He doesn't get a qualifying match. He just flies on through through some favors courtesy of wwe management the powers that be that we don't see behind the scenes and that ruffles some feathers as ricochet comes out and we remember their memorable moment at the warrior rumble earlier this year and i cannot wait for these guys straight hops at money in the bank a ladder between these two i can only imagine then we have shisuke nakamura being myth that this guy gets a free pass to this match la Knight talks his shit as well which is so cool he's over with the people but we're going to talk about him on smackdown momentarily because i feel like wwe is still fighting their fan base regarding this heel run for la Knight. we have other participants from money in the bank as apparently we have a smackdown crossover brand split be damned once again <laughs> <Got> Santa <laughs> escobar appearing out of nowhere as well like what is this like we are barely two months into this brand split this wwe draft and we got people already crossing over between these shows i am tired but i can't even get mad it leads to a brawl amongst all the participants for money in the bank it's fun and then logan paul wipes up everybody with the flip dive and then he climbs the ladder touches a briefcase to say i got this for money in the bank it was a fun angle i really respect logan paul as an entertainer as a wrestler as someone who is incredibly gifted at this which is not easy and i had a sure thing bet for who would win this but now since he's in the match i might be rolling with him jeremy i might be going with one logan paul this field is tremendous we have ricochet nakamura la knight escobar butch Butch, might I add, on Raw, a SmackDown talent, and not on SmackDown this week, <laughs> Brand Split Be Damned, Damian Priest, and Logan Paul. I was fine when it was six, when they added Logan Paul, and he was sitting on that ladder, you're just like, yeah, I can see the argument for that. But when I look at this list, I think a great match at SummerSlam would be Damian Priest versus Logan Paul. And I am pretty... I feel pretty good about the idea that you cannot stop LA Knight and the momentum that he has. And 
there might be some madness to uh, to try and shift away from that. And there is a lot that WWE is doing right in reading the audience right now. They are they are sensing what the audience wants and giving it to them in some sort of monkey paw way uh, here and there uh, that is feeding to what the payoffs they are that they have. And when I look at this field and I see the reaction the LA Knight is getting, Logan Paul can do whatever he wants. He got an invitation to Money in the Bank. It's not like he can't get an invitation to do whatever other match that he needs. Him coming in and out of WWE every other every couple months with a briefcase would definitely be a different dynamic. But if they are going with the mid-card idea and a mid-card title with the money in the bank and it does not need to be something that's paid off with a world title challenge within the next year. The more and more I think about it, it just LA Knight is my guy. Yeah, they're making the they're making the briefcase more ambiguous. Like, hey, if you win, you can go after any championship you wish, because now that's the awesome theory rule. And I was kind of mad about it. But hey, if you want to be ambiguous, if you want to aim for the IC US title or the world titles, by all means, do what you got to do. And it is contingent on the winner. And it could be LA Knight. It could be Logan Paul who can make things interesting, who can appear randomly every other month on WWE TV to call his shots. So WWE has options here. But this field for money in the bank for the guys is tremendous this might be one of the greatest money in the bank ladder matches in history and we've had some great matches over the last nearly 20 years of this concept across pay-per-view and wrestlemanias but scott your take on logan paul's return to wwe and basically saying hey i got this thing locked down for money in the bank qualifying matches be damned as well as the wwe brand split so the brand's supposed to joke, so we don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but as far as Logan Paul goes, uh, I think he's fantastic, and he he plays his role very well. And honestly, I would not be opposed to that man walking around with the briefcase while Seth Rollins, the guy that beat him at WrestleMania, is champion, and he's just like, yo, whenever I want, I can get my win back. You just keep that in mind. I... I'm not opposed to that for the rest of the summer. You know, having him just having that briefcase over Seth Rollins. You know, like Seth Rollins is just real kind of carefree right now. He's playing to the crowd. And maybe this is what's going to bring a little bit more of a serious edge to him because, I mean, Logan Paul pushed him to the edge in the story. You can play that up. So I, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. I'm not a, I would, me personally, I'm here for Damian Priest winning the briefcase. I, I just think that opens up a ton of possibilities. I don't think LA Knight needs it. I don't think Logan Paul needs it. I think LA Knight is so over. You can do literally whatever you want with him if you get behind him. You can push him in whatever direction you need. But Damian Priest with that briefcase just, I think that opens up a lot of story opportunities with him and Finn, him and the Judgment Day and just kind of, who did the Judgment Day, like Rhea and Dom, who do they side with, Finn or, or Damien? You know, the guy who holds the camera or the guy who gives them the mask to use? You know, so it's just kind of <laughs> who do they roll with? It's, it's one of those type of things. So it's a very interesting dynamic there. The fact that this running joke will never die on this show. I love that for us because, you know, memories, the mask, who's holding the camera, He's always in the room. <laughs> he's always he's always you know? there. He's always there. <laughs> Standing I, uh, stoically, observing. 
I got a question for you guys about Bronson Reed and his role in this money in the bank. Is he just going to be focusing on Nakamura? Is he going to be involved in this match? Is he going to be a proxy? Could he be a guy that serves as like Logan Paul's right-hand man while Logan Paul isn't around uh, for the foreseeable future? What do you what do you guys take about the Bronx and Reed involvement orbiting around Money in the Bank? So my first thought was they're going to add him to the match because they they essentially had him beat Ricochet and Nakamura in back to back weeks, and they it took two of them to do any type of damage to him. So I, I, I my whole mindset is maybe there's going to be some type of battle royal qualifying or something like that that he can win and, and get into the match. Your idea of him kind of being a proxy for Logan Paul going forward and that being his way onto the pay-per-view and incorporating him into the match, I think that's a really good idea. Him being kind of this gun for hire, and it would make sense for him to work for Logan Paul. Him having that type of heavy working for him, that's a problem. I I love that idea. Thanks. It's a great idea. And the fact they teased it last year, because remember, Bronson Reed came back for The Miz and he was a proxy for maybe two weeks. And I think Logan Paul is an elevated person that Bronson Reed can work for as the proxy in this case. And I thought the same thing. If you beat Ricochet, if you beat Shinsuke Nakamura, are you getting into the match? Because I thought the field of six was a bit small. Now we have seven. Could there be an eighth guy? I don't know. I do smell triple threat between between Bronson Reed, Ricochet, and Shisuke Nakamura possibly after Money in the Bank to end this rivalry once and for all. But it would not surprise me by Monday if Bronson Reed sneaks in as the eighth guy in this match, or he could interfere because he has beef with Ricochet and Shisuke Nakamura, and he could help Logan Paul win this match and be his proxy when Logan Paul is not there on WWE television because he's not working every single week. Yeah, all of these things, like you you both brought up the scenarios that are all entirely realistic and what i love is that nothing is so predictable right now in wwe that you can pinpoint like oh that's definitely what they're gonna do it could mean nothing or it could be the entire direction of the match and it's good that they're protecting bronson reed because i felt like they wanted him in the match, but it's not his time yet. And they've been working really hard on WWE programming to protect him by beating everybody that moves in terms of Nakamura and Ricochet. And that's been great for him. So I do since they want to push him, but he's not going to be in this match. But like I said, you never know. He could be the eighth guy by the time this week is over, but he's definitely got something in line post money in the bank. And that's great for him. And that's very encouraging by WWE saying, hey, we can serve two masters. Yeah, we're going to put over ricochet but still push bronson reed at the same time because the guy is very talented he should be in line for a big push on the main roster because he's great you know i I don't know if they do have anything planned for him just because if they really wanted to push that man he would be in that money in the bank match like he wouldn't have lost the the qualifying match and i i wonder if they are literally just kind of using him in kind of what the corbin role was you know, he's he just he beats down a bunch of people, loses matches, beats down the lower mid card guys, but he beats down the you know, the upper mid card main event players, but he doesn't win those matches. Like that's what Baron Corbin was. That's essentially what his role was the whole time, and now he's kind of gone to NXT. Is that what Bronson Reed is now? Like I don't really see them seriously getting behind him. Like I thought they were. 
I and I, I agree with you. They should. I just this this right here, this whole situation of not getting into this money in the bank match somehow, some way, doesn't give me a lot of hope. There was definitely a change in the perception with him after his mini feud with Bobby Lashley and Bobby cardio wise just kind of ate his lunch. And since then, there's been a little bit of a different kind of look for Bronson Reed. So that's why I'm kind of thinking if he's like a second in command to somebody else where he's just, he's dominant, but he can take the pin here or there and then uh, kind of elevate him that way. That just might be the best direction for him right now. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think I'm kind of stuck at the fact that he still got pushed after losing on television. If he really wasn't getting pushed, you would ice him until after the show's over. But he's been on TV every single week, caught Mm -hmm. between Ricochet and Nakamura. So it tells me something that they see some value in him because they're bidding over backwards to make sure he's still on TV, still whooping ass accordingly and is in the peripheral of this Money in the Bank ladder match. If that wasn't the case, I would honestly ice him off television and not have Ricochet and Nakamura eating losses on TV because it's not helping them heading into their matchup. Either you want to book them strongly heading into Money in the Bank, and that has not been the case because they are fighting each other and in some ways Bronson Reed as well. And what it's leading to, I would presume, is a triple threat, but we'll see. But I do have a bit more faith because if they didn't have anything in mind for Bronson Reed, he would not be on television right now. And I want to piggyback on what Jeremy said as well with this feud against Bobby Lashley. He did have the flu when he had the cardio issue. And that was why, like, we was wondering what the hell is going on here. It was the flu. And ever since he's recovered mm-hmm. from that, he's been back to his normal self. Excellent. As we now segue to our main event from Monday Night Raw, it was a six-man tag team match involving the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn alongside the American Nightmare Cody Rose versus Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and one Dominic Mysterio. And I cannot repeat what the Cleveland crowd chanted on this show. I would just say they chanted and it's going to say it, it, it rhymes with wussy, okay? That's what they chanted to Dominic Mysterio throughout this match i love the cleveland crowd every time wwe visits 
this city. They're hype. They're hot. And it was a packed house. Once again, love that for WWE. But this was the very definition of a party match. A lot of action throughout Rhea Ripley causing trouble at ringside, sweeping the legs and clotheslining Sami Zayn at one point as well, which I love. But it was all action. And Cody Rose is in there. And he was give and take with Damian Priest and had him on the ropes at one point. And we had Priest kicking out of the Cody Cutter. But, you know, this was all action from all six teams and Cody did get the W for his team heading into his match against Dominic Mysterio at Money in the Bank going down this Saturday from London, England. But Scott, your take on this very fun main event that wrapped up Monday Night Raw. Again, um, I'm, I'm Judgment Day. It's, Monday Night Raw is all about Judgment Day. I will say Edge did exactly what he wanted to do. He elevated a group of people uh, the key was just getting him out the group. Um, and Judgment Day has been great. I mean, like, look at look at what's happening. Like, the things we're talking about is all Judgment Day-centric. And we're not even talking about arguably the most over-woman in WWE, Rhea Ripley, who is your, your women's champion. So I just think this whole thing is a testament to Judgment Day. The match was fun. The match was great. Uh, nice. Well, not great, but the match was a good, really good uh, Raw main event. Uh, Cody got a nice win. The, the champion stood tall. Would have looked a lot better if he was holding his two belts there beside, you know, Sammy and KO when they held their belts up. But that's a whole another thing instead of his vibranium cast. Um, but, uh, you know, that's a whole other subject we'll get to. But, yeah, the, the match was fun. But I, I just want to, again, shout out the Judgment Day who – really are the linchpin and are really carrying Monday Night Raw right now. They are. I mean, they are the faction that runs Monday Night Raw. They've come a long way in a year. They're the baddest faction, not named the bloodline in WWE. And I dig it. Everybody is great in their role. Dominic Mysterio is a legit heat magnet. And Cody's vibranium cast comes through in the clutch. We do appreciate that. But what I also love for Monday Night Raw is now this ongoing storyline of Kevin Owens' temper getting the best of him. And he was able to maintain his cool throughout Monday's show. But him just going off on these random temper tantrums, I love that for his character. Kevin is amazing. And him and Sammy as tag team partners, as besties, has been a highlight the last few months. And Monday was no exception as they still got beef with Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser trying to run up and start trouble to piss off Kevin Owens. And it did not work. But all in all, really fun main event. And the baby faces stood tall. And the Cleveland crowd was hot. And you got to love it, Jeremy. I, I did love it. It was a fantastic main event. There were a couple of things that uh, I, I noticed that I'm going to touch on that you guys mentioned. Kevin Owens' anger management problem. That was a heck of a one-night subplot because Sami Zayn made it clear that if he's able to get through the night without a blow-up, that he'll never bring it up again and he doesn't have a rage problem. So this rageaholic problem seems to be licked because I never saw an instance where he uh, unjustifiably had rage that Sami called him out in the moment. So, wow, what a fun little story. But... What I will say feels way more consequential is when you're looking at this lineup of this main event, you got Cody Rhodes, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, you got Damian Priest, Finn Bauer, and Dominic Mysterio. A year ago, Cody Rhodes was injured. Kevin Owens was arguably the only one that you could put consistently into main events night in and night out. 
Sami Zayn was getting rebuilt in the bloodline. Damian Priest and Finn Balor were slowly beginning the Judgment Day feud, and Dominic was still with his father. The idea that we got all of these guys built to super hot, mega level stars, each individually, each in such a way where they all organically came together so that you have Cody Rhodes, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn, a trio that we talked about multiple times in the past that would be a great three-man team to have in these six-man matches, and they're finally taking advantage of it. But man, what a great job by WWE to get individually each one of these wrestlers over to a level that made a six-man so unbelievably mega hot when a year ago, if you told us this was the main event, it would not have even come close to this level of heat. It's called great booking and building people up and taking your time. And WWE, that has not always been the case. But with Triple H in charge, look what he's done. He's built up Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn as legit main eventers that have made tag team wrestling matter in some ways in WWE again by headlining WrestleMania against the Usos. Cody Rhodes... Listen, I still say to this day he should be the champion, but the bloodline rules. And I'm not mad at that whatsoever, but he's still incredibly over. His theme song is the shit. They love him. The the, the Vibranium cast and all, he's still incredibly over. We have Judgment Day, who we workshop on this show a lot in the last year or so. Look where they are now. Rhea Ripley is a goddamn superstar of the highest order who is going to be a babyface eventually. I truly believe that. We got Damian Priest coming a long way, getting back to his essence as a character during his time in NXT. Finn Balor getting booked as a badass heel that's leading a faction. And then Dominic Mysterio, a guy that was, you know, just kind of there. We we liked him. He was all right. He was Ray's son. They were tag team champions. It was cool and everything. But he is really coming to his own. And he is a legitimate heat magnet he can barely get in a word without getting booed out of the building that's not go away heat that is legitimate hill heat that you got fans chanting dom you a a wussy can't say the other word on this air but that's what they called him and i love that that is how you build up characters that's good booking and this how you and this is how you get a great main event that makes sense is heated it's fun the action's incredible and the fans care and that is the ingredients to a successful show and i thought the wwe knocked it out the park via this main event and that is how you built up stars to make us care as fans yeah 100 percent uh and if you guys keep bringing up that vibranium cast, I'm going to have to start yelling <laughs> Rogue's Conda forever every time you do it. Oh, no. Uh, you know? Okay. Yeah, I'm just so warning here? you. Nope. nope. No, actually, hard pass. Scott? Hard pass by Scott. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm already here. I can already see Brandy walking in and being like, yo, T'Challa, who told y'all that this was open mic night? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? T'challa. Yeah, can't, can't have that. Can't have that. All right. But Scott, but Scott, Jeremy here has given us a tremendous project now. Wrote Conda forever. <laughs> I like that. We need to trademark that for the show. Listen, when, when Cody when Cody when Cody wins the belt, 
we can officially call WWE Rotunda. I will 100% be in for that. When he wins the title and he gets some gold, we can 100% roll with that. Your your YouTube segment when he wins, if it doesn't say Rotunda forever, uh, you guys have missed an opportunity. No though, question. Right now. No question. <laughs> Life has truly passed us by if we don't have Rose Conda as the header for that video for WrestleMania 40 if they wait that long for Cody to become champion. And oh, I want him in the Black Panther suit. I want him <laughs> fitted for that moment. I want the best graphics because oh, Rose Conda forever is genius. Jeremy, he would get forever credit for this because this is genius. And Scott hates it, and that makes me love it even more because it is going to be the best graphic we've ever done for the rap when Cody Rhodes is not holding not one, not two, but three belts wearing the Black Panther suit. Let me Ooh. let me let me tell you let me tell you both something. Okay. <laughs> let me tell you both something real quick. Okay, real quick. If WrestleMania comes around, or what, whatever PLE they decide to do it on, and Cody Rhodes comes out in any type of Black Panther outfit, costume, or whatever, okay? Okay? I don't care. If he comes out dressed as Black Panther in any way, shape, or form, you have my full attention right now. Okay, I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'll be done. What? I can't support that. I can't, I can't support that. Listen, he can be Cody Luther King all he wants. You're not, you're not Black Panther. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. You can support Rey Mysterio dressing up as any hero that he likes. No question. But the moment that Cody Rhodes dresses up as any hero that he likes, you're calling foul? Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, mm. listen, he's already, we've already given him enough, the black community, by giving him the Cody Luther King name, you know, letting him roll with that, giving him the hat, you know, letting him, letting him have all the montages and all that stuff. Okay, even even dreaming of a Brandy Rose showing up on Juneteenth, Monday Night Raw. We gave him all that. Okay, <laughs> gave him all that. But you Scott, can't you can't just Scott, show up in a Black Panther outfit. Scott, it sounds like we found your American nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> this would be Touché. Scott's hell. This is Scott's hell, but here's another kicker because I'm going deep now. I can't oh, help God. myself. So I need Ruth Carter and Sandra to collaborate to make Cody some Black Panther threads, okay? I need him to look like Roskanda royalty when he wins these championships. You hear me? I want a throne. I want like a long cape as he walks down the ramp. I want feathers. I want the whole Black Panther experience. Ruth Carter, Academy Award winner designer, Sandra, noted seamstress for WWE and AEW and WCW. I want them to collaborate to make Cody the coldest fit known to man. And I want Scott Young, my co-captain, to lose his goddamn mind. Don't forget the laser-etched WWE logos into all the diamonds of the suit. Yes. The vibranium quotes. Yes. Uh, trinkets on the suit all etched with the WWE logo and maybe yes. the American nightmare logo. Uh, yes. You know, just kind of like the Batman symbol where it's not, it's not portraying, but it's kind of like lifted 
all in black right on right on top and it could be you know road conda forever real, real, real quick i know i know we got i know we got to move on from roads conda and in this one and this wonderful uh insurance that we've got going i mean on we're going to all next i think we're okay that's true that's true good point good point um is he is cody rose coming out in a mask in all this does he have a yes. black panther mask yes Yo. he does it, it okay <laughs> I was about to say fake paint, and then I stopped myself and realized that would be bad. Yeah, black face. I don't know what you know. What Jeremy? I don't know which one's worse, black (laughs) face or the Black Panther mask. I don't know which one is worse, to be honest with you. So I'm I'm gonna go with an actual like cloth covering. I think that's probably for the best. No, which would probably be for the best is him not to do it at all. And just to wear his normal gear, that would probably well, we, be for the that, best. That ship has passed, my friend. That ship has right. passed, right. and we have to commit to the future. No doubt. No doubt. Well, listen, we speak things into existence on this show. So congratulations, Keela and Jeremy. You guys have spoken. WrestleMania 40, the tribal chief, is going to come out doing the Samoan dance he did in, in Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna come out doing that while Cody Rhodes is gonna come out to the Wakandan war dance. The fucking reparations he thought, huh? No, no, not the reparations I thought at all. If I ever if I hear Cody Rhodes come out and start chanting Ebombe, Ebombe, and then a group of people come out behind him, I got problems and I got questions. (laughs) We shall see if your questions will be answered. Come back for our WrestleMania 40 review in April 2024. Jeremy will be here and he will analyze this moment because he spoke into existence. Rhodes Conda forever coming to a theater near you. Now, where was this for WrestleMania goes to Hollywood? We needed this trailer. Rhodes Conda forever. I, I'll tell you, I, I'm all about the long game and a wrestling angle and I have committed to two years out. So good job by me. Congratulations, dude. I love it. We workshop this for five good minutes and it's going to happen. We have our graphic ready to go. I got the name. We got the vibranium on lockdown. I'm cool. God bless Jeremy Feinstone for a brilliant idea for the future as Scott continues to discombobulate before our eyes. But... <laughs> Are you salty Scott yet? Have we, have we activated Salty yet? I just want to know. Yeah, I've uh, I've activated two beers since we started the show. So yeah, oh fully God. activated. Oh Salty Rib Scott is here. Oh, where is my Patron at this moment? <laughs> finish, finish one off while we were talking about what Rollins was going to decide to do with Finn Balor, and now on the second one while we decide what outfit Cody Rhodes is going to wear at WrestleMania 40. You know? Oh man, how many beers are you taking to get through our NXT recap? Don't, don't even get i don't want to bring the the liquor out okay i'm not trying to bring the liquor oh my god out. not the brown stuff right. come nobody's on trying to, nobody's trying to pass out okay i'm trying to get through the oh show lord all right let's close the cabinet up now you might need it last week because it was a rough go because you was very salty about nxt but i gotta say gold rush for what it was was not bad but the build-up was very questionable last week but it got off to a shaky start personally because you know what i called bullshit a mile away because ain't no way we was gonna have wesley and tyler Bate 
for the NXT North America Championship go off without a hitch with Mustafa Ali as a special guest referee because he lied to the people last week and said, you know, we want a definitive winner, a clear finish. So this dude off top, fast counting, slow counting, taking his sweet ass time. And we got Tyler Bate and Wesley like, what you doing? What are you doing? Booker T, noted referee analyst, like, what is he doing? He's counting fast, counting slow. He's ruining this match, and it just killed the flow for me. We have Wesley and Tyler Bate, two incredibly gifted wrestlers. And in the beginning, it was a lot of fun, but due to all the bullshit refereeing, it took me out of the moment, and it came down to Wesley being on the outside and referee Muzaffar Ali basically slapping Simpson to Wesley to get back in the ring. He interfered by getting in Tyler Bate's way, and that allowed Wesley to hit the cardiac kick on Tyler Bate to retain the championship and he wasn't very happy about the victory side-eyed Mustafa Ali and Tyler Bay side-eyed him too and he's raising their hands he's like this is great look what we did here and I'm like uh, this wasn't great in terms of my enjoyment of these two guys working together and against each other but I'm guessing this is leading to a trip of the rep between Ali Bay and Wesley which will be incredible if they decide to wait into the Great American Bash in Texas which I would love to see at the end of July so Scott, your take on whatever this was on Tuesday. Were you satisfied or were you unsatisfied like me? This is, and the match wasn't bad, but this is probably the first miss that Wesley has had as North American champion. Um, and I complete, I agree with you. I can completely put that on the booking of the match. Uh, Mustafa Ali with that just excuse my language, but that shit eating grin he had on his face throughout the entire match was just like, bruh. I mean, it was, it was something. So, you know, I, I'm assuming this is going to lead to a heel turn for Mustafa Ali. And honestly, him as a heel champion holding that North American title for a while, I, I don't know if I'd be opposed to that. You know, I like the interjection of the main, main roster talent with NXT. I like how they've done with Baron Corbin. I like, I even, I even like what they've done with Dana Brooks. So this Mustafa Ali stuff, this all works really well. Um, I'm looking forward to the Mustafa Ali Tyler Bate match, which I assume we'll probably get uh, when this comes out this week. Uh, which may, it will make logical sense to get that match, especially on a Gold Rush show. So um, the match was underwhelming at best, but it wasn't a bad match. No, not at all. This is very plot heavy with Ali possibly being healed down the road. And it's not lost on me that Jack has been talking a lot of shit about Ali on Twitter. And if you're going to pull the trigger on Ali, potentially as North American champion, then, you know, to pay us back for enduring retribution three years ago, I want Ali and Jack going at it in their purest form as two guys that can go with better booking and better characters. So if they're going to go down that road Pay it off. Let Ali be a heel. Fuck this positivity bullshit. He has glorious hair. The color choice, you know, I'm still getting used to it. But glorious hair, very talented. And Dijak, the story writes itself. Her retribution went so horribly wrong. So give me all of that post-Great American Bash. But, Jeremy, your take on this match that kicked off. WWE NXT Gold Rush. I was absolutely gobsmacked that I was watching a match that by design was supposed to be 
ruined and for no enjoyment whatsoever. So I'm of two minds of this. One, I like the idea of the story of getting these three guys together in a match. I thought Ali, for the role that he was supposed to play, he played well. However, if you are even in a basic beginner's wrestling school and have an idea for a rogue referee story, watch this match and realize all the reasons why you should not do this. This takes all the ideas of how to put together and construct a logical and sensible point A to point B wrestling match and ruined it and could have avoided it completely. Uh, I I like that they are trying different things, but the idea of having refs be the star of the story is not something that, is sustainable in wrestling, not sustainable in promotions. Uh, John LaRocca on the Fight Game podcast constantly harps on AEW and Bryce Remsburg for being uh, stars of the show when they have spots in their referee things. And it's just that. We don't need referees to be the stars of these matches, even if it's a superstar like that. It's just not what we need to be conditioned and trained for and hopefully it is not going to be received well and we don't have to go through a scenario like this in the future because it didn't really help anybody uh, in the short term. No, it has irritated us as fans because we see the potential right there, but they wanted to play around and have Ali be this very heelish referee and I wasn't feeling him. My better question is, where was the backup referee for all of this? Because two weeks ago, we had the backup referee <laughs> halting pins and shit. Like, where is the backup referees to referee the referee? I I wish I knew, but uh, week-to-week logic is something that uh, we have to take for granted in WWE. <laughs> Walker HBK at work. That is what he does here, reliving all of his 90 fantasies sober. And a part of me loves that, but a part of me is irritated at the same time because it's all so dumb sometimes. As we move on to something that was not dumb, this was actually something incredibly heartfelt and i'm gonna ask a very honest question what the hell took them so long because you have a story with von wagner that is right there for the baby face taking and it took them nearly two years to get there so this segment took me by complete surprise so we got robert stone and mrs stone and von wagner sitting in this empty space at the pc and braun breaker is talking about his childhood as baby and how he had brain surgery early on to basically save his life. He talked about, you know, how many hours he went into surgery and the scarring and how he almost died and how his parents were worried about him and how he was teased as a kid and how that affected him because, you know, he looks different and he was just someone that stood out from the rest. And you can feel that emotion in his voice. And hell, I was honestly getting teared up because I saw the human humanity of von wagner for the first time and they try to sell him as his very stiff baby face at first which i wasn't feeling he got a very unique award for the inaugural rap awards and then in the last year or so i have seen a turnaround for him but for the first time i see viability 
with Von Wagner as a baby face because we got to see the real Von Wagner. And I was wondering when we would see him. And it's nice to see him. It's nice to hear him talk in his own voice. It's nice to hear him tell his story and to be humanized and to feel as if we can connect with him emotionally as fans. And the fans will grow to love him through this storyline. And it was a very real moment that I felt And I wondered to myself, what took them so long? Because if you knew you had this in him, why you didn't pull the trigger until now, Scott? So I'm kind of of a different mindset about that. I agree with you 100% about the video, the story. Um, Him and Stone have a nice chemistry. I'm glad they waited because if they would have came out with this, I don't think Vaughn would be ready. Like Vaughn is so much more comfortable in front of the camera. He's so much more comfortable talking just cutting a promo like he's so much more at ease than those first few promos where he's just bug-eyed staring into the camera you know like I I think there's absolutely I'm glad that they waited because he's got a sincere earnestness to him that I don't think he had at the beginning where he was trying to portray a character he was trying to uh, portray a wrestler now he's just himself and I think it works really well and I think Robert Stone that you know, he deserves a lot of credit as well as far as just being somebody that he can be na- that Von Wagner can be natural with. Like sometimes you just need somebody to play off of to really bring that out of you. So there's a really good natural pairing, and it, I think whenever they bring him back to the ring and have him, you know, start doing something meaningful, there's going to be a, a fan support behind him. That fan base will react I think well to him whenever he decide, whenever they bring him back and really get behind him so uh, I, I'm enjoying this as you know I've, I've enjoyed watching Vaughn uh, we you know we gave him a hard time at first but then he started showing improvements they took him off TV for a little bit so I'm looking forward to whenever they decide to uh, start pushing him again in the ring me too my only question is why is he a free agent if you're going to keep him in NXT, keep him on NXT then, because I think that this will be needed for him to find his sea legs as a baby face and the fans will love him because of it. We'll see his growth in the ring once again, connecting as a baby face. And I do agree with you that this is probably the right time to do it because those early days, he was really a deer caught in the headlights, very nervous on camera in the ring as well, but he has grown a lot. He's improved in the lab and I give him credit for that. And he does earn my respect for getting better. And I thought this was the best presentation I've seen of him so far as a character and Robert Stone, Robbie E, you know, this guy can play characters in nobody's business, but he was just himself listening to Von Wagner. There was nothing extra about his performance. He felt everything that Von had to say and added a lot of realism to what they were talking about on Tuesday as well. But Jeremy, your take on seeing the real Von Wagner shine through on Tuesday night. So you had a question about what took this dude so long. And my mind started going in a direction that I really wasn't planning on going with on this. But when I was a kid, I was actually deaf when I was supposed to start learning to talk. And my parents didn't realize it. And then when I did start to talk, I ended up with this lisp that I had. But it also led to uh, ear issues where I had 
uh, over a dozen surgeries before I was like three years old. And it left me with being somewhat abnormal as a kid growing up and standing out in in a way where you didn't want to feel like you weren't like the other kids in a way. And like what Wagner went through is magnified exponentially by what I, what I went through, but I empathize 100% about what he did, what he, what he went through and that kind of ostracization and not feeling like you were with everybody else. When that happens and people want to, you know, talk about that, you don't want to, like, you want to feel normal. You want to feel like you fit in with everybody else. Wrestling is not about fitting in. Wrestling is about standing out. But there is a very real psychological aspect that he may not have been ready to go down that route until, like, he was ready to do so. And they've been building this up for a while. And you can look at Vaughn Wagner and see, like, there's something different about that guy. What it is, I don't know. But you can see him and you know from the eye test that he stands out. And not like the airport, you just do. And I get that very, very well. And uh, so when I see that, I am glad that he is coming off as more authentic. I'm glad that Robert Stone and his segment wasn't treated as a joke because what we saw there was a connection that said, okay, now I get why I can have an investment with this guy. This guy overcame stuff that I could not even possibly imagine. This is a real superhero. That's kind of how I feel about this whole thing. It's a little more serious than I usually go deep on talking about this WWE stuff. But what he did was brave, and he never had to talk about any of this kind of stuff. But he wants to make a connection with the audience. That is what being a WWE superstar is all about. And I'm glad it was done in a presentation where neither was made a joke. Uh, you weren't made to feel sorry for him. You were you were put in a position to think like, damn, this dude has come out of the other side of something incredibly serious, and now I want to get behind him. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing your story as well. That was very brave of you to do that. And it was brave of Vaughn to tell his story on Tuesday because it just built a connection with the fans that I think that he needed. And I believe this will be a big turning point for him. And the improvement has been there. I think this is probably one of the final puzzle pieces to really complete him on this path regarding his career so far in WWE. You put the pieces together in NXT perfectly. Let's move him on up to the main roster. Not now. Lock him down on NXT. I don't want to be a free agent just yet. Reverse that, WWE. But I think this is now his chance to shine as a more complete character to get him ready for the main roster someday. And now there's viability because we get to see the real Von Wagner shine through after nearly two years because clearly the potential's there and he's finally shining through. And I'm very happy about that because we did give him hell, but it was tough love from a place of love because we did see something in him if he applied himself, and he has over the last year or so. As we move on to a face-to-face confrontation between the NXT champion Carmelo Hayes and his challenger for Gold Rush this Tuesday, 
Baron Corbin. And I have to say, and I have been on Baron Corbin's ass a lot on the show over the last couple of years almost. I thought this was Baron Corbin's greatest promo ever. He talked his shit, talked about the money he's made on the main roster, about being a star, that Happy Corbin pays the bills, got me a $1.8 million mansion. What about it? You can talk shit about all you can talk shit about me all day. Mellow, but look at my life, look at your life. I'm up here, you're down here. I'm on this level, you're on that level. You can't touch me. So none of your barbs can affect me. But then Mello just came back and said, well, listen, when I was 26, I won the breakout tournament. When you was 26, you got cut by the Arizona Cardinals and the fans who went on at that. He talked about winning the North America Championship, unifying the Cruiserweight and North America Championship, becoming an XT champion, talking about I respect Black and Gold. I respect the people that came before me to lay the foundation for NXT, but I'm here now. I'm the one that's paying rent. My name's on the deed right here. I've blown the roof off this bitch so many times I'd be had to rebuild it talk about the windows he's added to it the wing he added to nxt like he was going off and then baron corbin's like well listen you talked about this and the third but what's gonna happen when i take your championship next tuesday i'm gonna be at my house the 1.8 that i live in my hot ass wife is gonna pour me a bottle of champagne that you can't afford and i'm gonna sit back and i'm gonna say it was a good day i just love the barbs they were throwing at each other throughout this segment i thought this was a great way to build up this championship match this tuesday now scott has played into my biggest fears and I have only accepted one outcome in that Mello must do a springboard and Corbin must catch him for end of days. If that does not happen, I said I was quitting this show. <laughs> I'm lying, but I ain't going to be happy about the outcome. So that's the only way I will accept him winning. But Jeremy, your take on this face-to-face between Mello and Baron Corbin on Tuesday's NXT. I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought Baron Corbin ate his lunch took his lunch money and then ate his lunch after he bought the bought his meal with it uh that that's how savage i thought baron corbin was in this uh shakedown carmelo hayes has plenty of future they talked about the now but it's not how you start and it's, it's how you finish and baron corbin is in fact a very successful wrestler despite whatever win-loss record that doesn't matter in wwe uh carmelo hayes has every potential opportunity to surpass him but he has not yet and that is in fact the story i am looking forward to it this is among the uh the new initiative to bring the wwe raw and smackdown and quote unquote free agents into nxt and this is a good matchup you know you you want to get carmelo hayes uh some reps with you know, stars that are on the main roster and they're making a priority of this rather than the Cameron Grimes showdown that did not end up happening on SmackDown. So I like that they are putting a focus on Carmelo Hayes. I like that Baron Corbin seems motivated in a program with him. And I do think it's possible that Carmelo Hayes does a springboard into an end of days, but I also think it's entirely possible that Carmelo Hayes then kicks out of an end of days by Baron Corbin after that happens. 
the second man to ever do that outside of Drew McIntyre. And my co-captain was very upset at last year's WrestleMania when that happened. Like, how dare he kick out a Vin of Days? It happened one time in WWE history, but I would not love that if Mello kicked out of a springboard into an end of Days. I would actually be furious, too. He would have to lose, and that would be the only way I would accept this outcome, because otherwise, ill. But I will say, and I cannot believe I'm saying this on a live microphone right here on The Wrap, I did think that Baron Corbin cleared mellow in this promo exchange i have to say he had the material when he tried to clap back with happy corbin he said no nah, it paid the bills got me a nice big ass house mm-hmm. what about it i'm like he just had a counter for every counter saying you must call yourself him if you gotta say it that many times i guess you ain't him like oh my god like baron corbin filthy. had bars he was filthy then he stopped him from talking and then talked some more and then left him hanging like baron corbin where have you been all my life with this because if you bring that to the main roster dude you be money all i need you to do is find some better gear honey but otherwise you did this scott it's me and Jeremy. We've given Baron the win here, crazily enough. Where do you stand on this face-to-face confrontation? So I, I thought it was a. I thought the back and forth was actually pretty good. Um, I was really on par with Melo. I thought Melo literally had the entire thing won when he started going in, especially that line about you know I I, I had to build a whole new roof off because I done tore that bitch off so many times. When he hit that line, I was like, yeah. Uh, you know, Melo, Melo got that. Like he got the crowd into it. He's flipping everything he's talking about, talking about how like, okay, yeah. And because Melo was real confident, he got a swag about him that you just can't match. But when Corbin cut him off, mm-hmm. like when he when he cut him off just mid sense and was like, hold up, the lesson is not over. The lesson is not over. And then just left and was like, yo, this is normally where I would punch you in your face and beat you down, but I don't have to do that. <laughs> like, I I don't have to do that with you. Like, you're he talked to him like he was a child. Like, like when I play basketball and I'm going to play against a child, I'm like, yeah, this will be cool. Go ahead and take a couple shots. Oh, that was good. That's how Corbin was acting with this man. Like, like he was playing with a child. Like, he was at the park. And he just ran it to some kid. It was like, yeah, I'll play with you because he's a bully. Like I, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm with you at three for three. I thought Corbin that, that last little bit where he cut him off. I thought that sealed it. And again, to your point, Keela, I think Corbin had to get to this point. Like there's a, this, this is a different Baron Corbin than the guy that was completely overpushed in the Red Lobster outfit with Lacey <laughs> Evans going against Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Like, this guy right here knows who he is, knows his worth, and knows what he brings to the table. Like, that dude said he'd been, in the, he'd been at the top of the card for a decade, and he's not wrong. So he had, he had to get to this point, and he's got a whole different swag about him, especially down in NXT. Him going back down to NXT gave him a whole new swag. Like he, he always carried himself like a star, but now that he's down there, he's down there like, yo, y'all should be happy. I'm even walking this ground right now, and he probably really believes that. So, I, I thought the promo. I thought this was one of 
the best back and forth promo exchanges NXT has had in a long, long time. Probably, honestly, probably since Adam Cole has been there. Yeah, when he ended carrying across, that that's was prob- like, honestly, yeah, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, like that was a good one. But I also love the Malcolm Bivens and Trick back and forth a couple of years ago. Yes. Those were a lot of fun as well. But yeah, this one was amazing. And I really tweet during an X-Tail like, y'all did that. Like Baron Corbin, Carmelo Hayes, you had bars, but I have to give it to Baron Corbin because that guy ended Mello. He had no words. He dropped the mic and just said bye. And when he did that, like, damn, like, where is this Baron Corbin? Where has he been? I Where is he? Like, he's here. And as you said, he thinks I run shit for real. I'm letting you know I've come down here to bless you with my presence. And he's owned it. I think this is one of the few success stories of coming back down and completely reinvigorating himself because he ain't never talked this much shit on the main roster. He was in the pocket and I love it. I'm looking forward to the match on Tuesday. You couldn't have me saying that a couple of weeks ago, but the ending to appease me must be springboard into end of days and he cannot kick out respectfully. As we move on to our main event for WWE NXT Go Rush. It was the world heavyweight champion, Seth freaking Rollins, returning back home after 11 years to NXT, the PC, versus Braun Breaker. And this was a very good main event. I thought to myself, you know what? I wanted Braun to have a bit more in this match. He, he held his own. It was good. It wasn't a great match. And Seth had to sell the ribs that were targeted by Finn Balor the night before on Monday Night Raw. But this was a very bruising, fun main event. The crowd singing Seth's song was a lot of fun. And it was a nice back and forth match. Breaker went after the ribs throughout. Speared Seth at one point for a very close near fall. Was suplexing and really manhandling him throughout this match. Until Seth responds with his topes on the outside. And a splash to Bond Breaker through the announce table. Then he finishes things up with pedigree and the curb stomp for the one, two, three, and of course we have the classic tease. Let's post trademark for NXT before we go off the air. But no, we get another surprise appearance by one Finn Balor back home as well as he continues as he continues his attack on Seth Rollins with more curb stomp no not curb stomps more coup de gras more beatdowns ahead of their match at money and the bank which i'm looking forward to some more heat on finn as he returns back home as well Mello did make the save and that could be something to look out for on wwe tv between maybe a main roster show and nxt i smell tag team match coming between these two regarding breaker and mellow and baron corbin and seth rollins and finn balor some some combination of these guys working together and against each other. We'll see about it. But Jeremy, your take on this main event between Seth Rollins and Braun Breaker for the World Heavyweight Championship, which moved legit numbers on Tuesday night. Number two show on cable. Uh, congratulations on them moving numbers. Congratulations on Seth Rollins. Uh, convincingly coming off as a defending champion uh, for the World Heavyweight Championship in WWE. I liked it. I think Braun Breaker, badass Braun Breaker, is pretty much ready and done and can go up to the main roster whenever. But the catch that I had personally, and I know that, you know, the suspension of disbelief and whatnot, I am conditioned to think if there is a title match on the horizon, 
for a champion. And then you book another title match before then it undercut the potential eventuality of both matches, the first one and the second one. So it never really felt like Braun Breaker was going to win this match, knowing that Finn Bauer was in the hunt for him. So the story that Finn Bauer just wants to hurt Seth Rollins, and he doesn't really care if Seth Rollins is the champion. He just wants to make sure that Seth Rollins isn't the champion anymore, even if it's not him that takes it from him. I like that. It's a direction of the story, but a if I'm being honest, I did not feel like that was a compelling enough reason for me to believe that Braun Breaker truly had a chance to win this title. Yeah, there's one drawback for me, too. Like, the outcome was academic. Yeah, Seth was softened up before the match, but it was never in doubt. And at this point, all I want Braun Breaker to do is face Ilya Dragunov, win or lose, and then move up immediately to the main roster. I'm ready for it. He's ready for it. And I just want to see how he can flourish against different people. Every single week on Raw or SmackDown, it's long past due for that. But yeah, it just kind of took some suspense out of this match because it was very, very obvious how it was all going to end. But hey, they had a great rating out of it. And Seth moved nearly a million viewers during his closing segment. So he can be very proud that, hey, dude, you are a draw as champion. And your star power definitely carried over to NXT this past Tuesday. But Scott, your take on this main event between Rollins and Breaker and Finn Balor's interference at the end of Tuesday's show. I think I liked the match a little bit more than you two. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Braun did a really good job of being able to keep up with Rollins. I thought I think Rollins just has that this 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 kind of main event style down to a T, and he, you know, he's got the athleticism to just do anything that he needs to extra to add something to it. Um, the crowd plays into it perfectly. I still think they had a missed opportunity by not having Braun spear Seth Rollins out of his boots while he's just standing there with the spotlight on him and the crowd singing. I still think that's a missed opportunity there. But I, I thought Braun looked great. I, I, I know Rollins kind of dominated the match, but he should. Like, he's he's the world heavyweight champion. He is essentially the number two guy in the company. He should be in control of the match, but I thought Braun looked really good, man. I thought when he was in control, he knew what he was doing. He looked confident. He looked good. There was ab- I never thought for a second he could win the match, so Jeremy, I get what you're saying there, but um, I thought the match was still very solid, and I don't think Braun can gain anything else from working in NXT. I've been saying it for weeks, but he's got to work with better talent and different talent on that main roster. And he showed it right here. He's ready, man. Like this was I thought this was a really good match. It was solid, I will say. It wasn't to me a great match, but it was very solid. And Braun Breaker, you know how I feel about him. He's gonna be a big star on the main roster. It's gonna really be a future WrestleMania main eventer. And I just wanna see him flourish against different guys on the road, getting those reps in out of the system of NXT at long last, but Really nice way to end the show on Tuesday. It was a good match, not a great match, but a stronger-than-usual NXT. It was a day at the office for Seth Rollins, and it was a passing grade for Braun Breaker against Seth Rollins. There's no shame in any part of that statement whatsoever for the main event of an NXT television show. Yes, absolutely. And I also want to shout out 
and I know it's going to be real shallow. I don't care. Uh, Julius Creed and his glasses. 25 cheddar biscuits coming your way, sir. Stop it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Listen, those glasses. All right. Yeah. Well, look, peep game. If we just hand out cheddar biscuits, Cora J came out with her kendo sticks. So there's a few Cora there. Cora J looked about as cooked as a cheddar biscuit. Well, you're not wrong there. Did you see Braun? Oh my God. They tan together. So. Listen. That is a caramelized. That is a caramelized finish. A carnal. Okay. You're not going guys grocery games in the kitchen. Carnalized in the skillet. Carnalized onions, sautéed, real brown, golden and shimmering, shimmering, a shimmering golden brown, carnalized in the sun, or a tanning bed. Your pick, or both, or both. Very possible. Don't do the tanning bed, guys. I could just be jaded, sir. Really, the play on words. Okay. We're, we're done here. We're done here. But yeah, Julius Creed, shout out to you and your glasses. 25 cheddar biscuits coming your way because you looked good. You really, really did. Wow. Okay. Now let's move on to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down a couple of days ago. And we have to call out the prolific Cajun Dome, one of the few, pl- one of the few places that WWE has shaded for having dead crowds over the last five or so years. It's been some dry events at the Cajun Dome. But this place was packed, and they were mostly hot throughout the show. And we kicked the show off with the Usos coming out to hype up their bloodline Silver War against Roman Reigns solo sequoia this saturday at money in the bank and they were over and jay uso was trying to say bloodline and then jimmy said no we don't say that anymore we don't do that here he says we are in your city the usos are in your city and jay you know he's still kind of apprehensive about fighting his family he loves roman he loves his brother but it's all about respect we jump, you say, how high? You tell us to do this, we do that. We would do anything for you because we love you, but what you're not going to do is disrespect us. And Jimmy felt like after WrestleMania, you didn't acknowledge us, you didn't respect us, you didn't treat us like family. And when you do that, then that is where we have a problem. We love you, we, we want to work it out. I guess we got to fight it out at Money in the Bank, and it really comes down to their true enemy, the snake in the grass, the rat that's been around their family for nearly 40 years, Paul Heyman. And they're like, you're the one whispering nothings in Roman Reigns' ear to trying to get him against us. He's going to root, and they're going to root out the problem imminently so i thought it was a good promo they were kind of off in spots but still very good i think the fans really wanted jay to say he was feeling oozy on friday he's not there yet it's a family situation he loves his family but right now there's no respect within the family and they want that back somehow some way but until then they're on their own and they got roman on his island of, irre- of irrelevancy and that's where he is right now and they're doing solo in their own time but all in all a fine promo to kick off SmackDown on Fox, Scott. Yeah, I thought the uh, the promo was good. Jay uh, Jay's got a nice fire about him, so he he's always able to get the crowd into it. And yeah, the, the, there was a little bit of stumbles at, at the beginning and a couple times, but the crowd was completely invested in him. They are, I know Sammy and KO are the champs, but I still think the Usos are the most over tag team in WWE. 
Um, I look forward to that rematch. I do wonder when they are going to go back after those tag titles. I know we got the Civil War coming up. But, uh, yeah, they've done a great job building to this match. I, I thought the video package that they played before at the beginning of SmackDown kind of going over Jey Uso's decision and all that stuff. I thought that was really well done too. So this entire story and every, you know, the chapters that they've told so far and uh, the sixth inning, this must be uh, two balls and two strikes at this point, uh, <laughs> getting ready to see what the, what the next one, see if we get to a full count. But uh, yeah, this was a very good, very good segment to open the show. All right, boat prediction by Money in the Bank. I'm proud to say we have reached, I think, the seventh inning stretch of the Bloodline storyline of this you saga. You think you were on the seventh inning? Oh my goodness! You, I think we will you be by Money in the Bank. Souls. We are still in the third <laughs> inning. Stop. No, the hell we're not. Stop. No, we're not. Oh we're God, like... this is going until WrestleMania 40. If you passed <laughs> this out and he told you you're in the third inning on WrestleMania 38. Sixth inning is WrestleMania 39. Ninth inning is WrestleMania 40. Oh, Jeremy, oh you sweet summer children. Now, this now is Jeremy. not going away anytime soon. <laughs> now, Jeremy, my dear. Now, I didn't say we was we was almost at the end. I just said this is going to be a very long seventh oh, inning stretch. <laughs> it's going to stretch into WrestleMania 40. Oh, my God. I didn't say it was going to be like lick it and split. I know what's coming. Cause it took Our seventh inning years. stretch is two years away. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we just got to the fifth inning this month. Well, I don't know about that one. I, th- I think we might have gotten an out in the third inning. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah, uh, for as much as Major League Baseball has sped up the pace of play, WWE has taken all of that time and thrown it on the back end of this bloodline angle. This is going to go a while. Listen, when Jay Uso said that, you know, him and Jimmy were out, that was just, they were saying that's just another out in the inning. Yes, absolutely. They were they absolutely. were th- they were getting somebody out, so that was just another out in the inning. That's the first out, by the way. Don't forget there are six outs in an inning, not just three. You have no to doubt. go to the top and bottom of no the doubt. inning. No so are we at the middle of the sixth inning? Six. No, we're Six. at the bottom of the third. No, no, J- Jeremy. Jeremy brought up a good point. We're still in like the top of the f- top of like the. We're at the bottom of the fourth. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. Now you done backtrack to yeah. Look, look what Jeremy's done. Jer- Jeremy's has... convinced me. We're in the, like, we're in the I, I'm giving you a hard dose of reality about the 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 passage of time in WWE. Oh my God. Okay, so since we're talking about time. I'm going to go on my soap back, and it's not going to be General Hospital, shockingly enough. Do you remember a soap opera called Passions, by any chance? I do. I don't. It was on NBC. Sure was. Very supernatural, freaky show. So on Passions... Wasn't it a spinoff of Days of Our Lives? Not exactly, but it was one of the guys that wrote for Days that created this show over 20 years ago. Close enough. I'll take it. Close enough. We'll take it. It It was campy fun, but with Passions... One night, one night, y'all, would last six months. Excellent. One night would last six months. So people coming in and out of the uh, the living room door? Yes. It would be like a crime, a disaster, and that one night would last six months. I'm not exaggerating. So if we're trying to compare, the bloodline is running on Passion's time. One continuous night for four years. I've read Buckley. comic books that should have been done in two issues that decompressed it into 24. <laughs> I am used to this kind of crap. 
<laughs> we're in it for the long haul. But Jeremy, since Absolutely. you have backtracked, you said, no, we're not in the fifth. We're not in the sixth. We're not even in the seventh inning. We're back in the third inning. There's two outs, bottom of the third. But your take on the Usos cutting the promo in front of a Cajun Dome crowd that, oh, my God, holy shit, they actually cared. Because you covered most of the story, and I went off on the tangent about the bit I just did. Uh, I'm going to tell you this was an A-plus promo taken down to an A because I really thought it was super campy and cheesy when they did The Bloodline Has Arrived. As if you haven't been struggling with this whole decision for the last few months, and then all of a sudden, your first opportunity to do it, and you say it, and your brother goes, no, 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 that's not how we do it. It's like, And then they call themselves the Usos. I'm like, okay, you should have just done it. Get rid of that little bit, and it would have been an A+. Agreed, definitely. And the struggle from Jay. I was like, really struggling, homie? There was something about it. It was good down the stretch, but the struggle, like, oh, my God, he's my family. It felt authentic. It did, but, like, at this point, fuck your family. They don't love you. That's the truth. I mean, it's true. Like, why are you sympathizing with a family member that's kick your brother? He kicked me, kick him back. The gaslighting, like, it still is residual. And Jay's still going through the shakes a little bit, so I can forgive him. But, yeah, it was elements I wasn't a fan of. But all in all, fun way to kick off SmackDown is Jeremy's now got his family in the third inning with no sign of us being free. But I'm not mad because it's the best storyline in wrestling today. I can't hate it at all. Scott, you got anything? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I got I got nothing to add to that. I got nothing to add. I mean, I listen, I mean there's there's not much to really add to that, you know. I I think you guys nailed it on the head. The the better question is, Scott, have you popped up another beer since we've been talking? I have not. I I, I finished my two. I'm a I'ma hold on until we get to uh until we get to the blood the money in the bank uh preview. Okay, so that, that's that nightcap, that sip. Gotcha. We're almost there. So be in position. (laughs) So our next topic is LA Knight, who we all love on this show. I think we were really on the LA Knight main roster train for the last year or so, and that this guy has the potential to get over in a big way. And I keep saying, like, this guy in the year 2023 survived a Bray Wyatt feud and somehow got more over. That does not happen ever unless you're Brian Danielson. You don't get more over. You don't survive unless you're Kevin Owens as well. You don't survive a Bray Wyatt feud. It simply does not happen, but he did. And he's over and the fans love him. But for some reason, he's still viewed as a heel because WWE books him as such. It is very perplexing to me. They had him against Rey Mysterio on Friday night. It was, to be real it was kind of oil and water it was not a very good match it was it was all right but the fact is the fans want to cheer for la night they do and i think that it's time for wwe to stop faking the funk stop fighting the people and just book la night as a baby face because now you're causing trouble for me because i want to love la night i want to love the lwo but i can't love them both and you got me fighting and struggling over here over who i should be rooting for in this situation so i'm kind of irritated with the booking for la night in terms of character because he should be a baby face and i need wwe to stop playing and book this man as such because the fans 
want to love him by based on their reactions for him every single week. But Jeremy, your take on the presentation of LA Knight and how's it going so far for him on the main roster? Talk about a guy who's outkicked his coverage at every opportunity. And WWE has done him no favors up to this point. Turning him heel or keeping turning him face or keeping him heel. In my mind, based off of everything that I know about WWE and how they've operated in the past and their ability to get a baby face over when they are intentionally trying to get a baby face over, my guttural instinct is do not change a damn thing. Let the audience do whatever they want as you continue to book him in your ambiguous, heelish way because right now, it does not seem that he is going to be a pivotal focus point in which you are driving entire shows around him, which is inevitably feeling like the direction that they're going to go. When you get to that point and you are ready to go full bore with this guy, commit to him, make a decision about the direction that you're going. But until then, let the audience do what they want with this guy because they are making him the star the WWE wants to make stars out of. Absolutely. The fans love them. They chant LA night. They say, yeah, as we predicted on this show. I mean, we had a feeling this guy was going to connect. It took a while, but he's over. And I just hope the WWE leans into it a little bit more than they are right now, because it still feels like a fight. And I'm not a fan of that. But Scott, your take on the presentation of LA night as a heel on the main roster, when at this point he should really be a baby face. So my only issue is if they turn him into a baby face, I feel like they're going to completely neuter him. You know, he's mm-hmm. not going to get to come out and walk out and just, you know, say, hey, you guys look like y'all are as useless as some basketball cleats. He's not going to say that as a baby face. He's going to say something real corny and whatnot, you know. And so I, I just th- that's my only issue with them turning him. But then you come across another issue. And I don't know why it always seems to be Rey Mysterio, but. They always got Rey Mysterio going against these ultra popular baby faces and they just either booing Rey Mysterio or they're cheering the guy he's wrestling against. And this just happens all the time with this man. And, you know, if this was before WrestleMania, before he decided to pull that belt out and bend Dominic over the knee, I'd be all for this. But I'm not here for this. You know, I'm here for Rey Mysterio to get his due respect. So we need to protect Rey Mysterio a little bit more. If we're going to go at any type of father's, we have someone down in NXT who we have a father down in NXT who needs to get reprimanded. But let's leave Rey Mysterio alone. He's 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 earned that. First of all, I think I almost fell out of my chair because I've never heard Scott cap as much as he just did for <laughs> Rey Mysterio, who just up until maybe three months ago was deemed the worst father of the year, but now he has been redeemed. He's just put some respect in his name. No doubt. There's a, there's a far worse father, Dwayne. <laughs> I didn't say his name. So you, you did that. You did that. I ain't said that man's name. I ain't even say the daughter. <laughs> you said Florida and that's all we needed to know. Like what else you talking about homie? me? Cause you're talking about one guy that didn't show up for his daughter's debut in California. What a dickhead. Like you suck. You oh, suck wow. as a father. <laughs> Fuck you and your time. I love, I, I love how a conversation about LA Knight turned into a referendum on Rey Mysterio out of nowhere. <laughs> and a praise session at that. 
just filth. Like you, like you, you missed your window. You had to take it here. <laughs> you know, you don't get a lot of opportunities to to talk about Rey Mysterio nowadays, since I don't go at him no more for being a bad father. So I had to, <laughs> had to get it in there right now. Thank you, LA well, Knight. He's the daddy of the LWO, so if they don't win anything anytime soon, you can give him take him a task for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's true he is because let me tell you he ain't doing his kids in the lwo no favors no i mean he's got two of his babies in there for money in the bank which is impressive i don't know if they're gonna win but yeah you, you know come on ray come on but still for scott to cap as much as he did for ray just now i want to cry because we've come a long way from ray being shit to damn it ray put some respect on the legend's name. That's what Scott said. The legend. No doubt. Ray Mysterio. I know that's right. Look at the turnaround. I mean, LA Knight beat one of the biggest babyface winners of WrestleMania this year. And he did it convincingly last night. Or on SmackDown. Clean, too. Yeah. Clean. Very clean. It was not a cheating victory. I know. It was crazy. Yeah. Kind of sloppy, but it's a clean win. And we love that for him, even though it's still that weird hill thing. Call but... shot mask. Call Mr. Queen. <laughs> Sir. Now we must move on now. You tried it. <laughs> but yeah, it was a clean victory. Good for LA and I. Hopefully they figure out this heel thing situation. But listen, he is the hybrid of The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And those guys still maintain their edge as baby faces. So I expect the same for LA Knight. I have hope, damn it. I do. I really do love that LA Knight's finisher is literally a combination stunner uranage mixture between the stunner and the rock bottom. It's a love child. See right there. It's two heroes melted into one, even with this finisher. I love that for LA Knight. As we move on now to the main event of Friday Night Smackdown on Fox from the Cajun Dome, it was Solo Sokoa versus Sheamus. It's showing through a lot of revisions. Vince was on one on Friday. I'll get to a council match regarding Money in the Bank shortly. But this match was a result of Solo attacking Rich Holland backstage. Ridge was the Ridge was at the wrong place at the wrong time, got laid out by Solo. And then Paul got on his phone calling Roman Reigns and whatnot. And Sheamus wanted to fight for his brawling brute. Very bruising, fun main event. Sheamus was selling with Solo. We went after him by taking him out on the outside as we go to commercial break. We come back and Sheamus, and Sheamus makes a great comeback. Lands t- 10 beasts of the battering. He was struggling because he was getting worn out by Solo, but he was able to hit those 10 beats. Then the core strength to lift up solo for white noise, extra impressive as well. But then we come down to a very mm, finish for me because I love solo, but he missed the running up attack on Seamus against the barricade. It was all barricade and Seamus did not get hit in the least. And we had the Emmy, we had the paramedics come out and check on Seamus and solo was having none of that going after the MET, the EMTs bullying, Jason Jordan going after Adam Pierce until the Usos came out to deliver double super kicks to their brother, their blood brother, and a, and a splash to coast to coast to send a message. They're ready for Solo and Roman at Money in the Bank, the Bloodline Civil War. Good closing angle. And now I wonder what Roman and Solo going to do heading into Friday SmackDown from the O2 Arena in London, England, because um, we'll see how the match goes in terms of the outcome. But more heat for the Usos, which is good to end SmackDown on a high note, because this show really was scattershot in a lot of ways, Scott. 
Yeah, this the show was all right. Um, the main event was pretty good up until kind of that that miss at the end. This is two ref stoppages in the same week. Um, you know, I don't know if this is going to be a, a thing WWE tries to incorporate more. They did it with Dana Brooke on NXT, and now they're doing it here with Sheamus. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna book this match, just have Solo beat that man. Like Sheamus can take the loss. I know you want to protect Sheamus. Then you should have just had Ridge in that match, and you should have found something else for your main event. But like Solo is a guy who, if you put him in a match with somebody like Sheamus, he needs to go over. He needs to look good. He needs to look dominant. He's got a big match coming up. You know he he has a main event match coming up. So. Whatever you book him in, he's got to not only win, but he needs to win convincingly. So if you don't want him to beat Sheamus, then don't put him in the match with Sheamus. That's that's my kind of takeaway from this whole thing. Agreed, because Sheamus can take the L, beat the man clean. I'm all good with that. And besides, the finish didn't really finish well because he missed him. Like, just finish him in the ring. Samoan Spike, be done with it. Sheamus will be all right. That's my thing as well. If you if you want to protect him, hey, don't book the match. That's my philosophy as well. But Jeremy, your take on Solo versus Sheamus and the closing angle for Friday Night SmackDown. I wasn't too particularly bothered by the finish of uh, Solo missing because Sheamus' head still hit the ground pretty hard and you could justify that one and the beatdown continued. But there are a couple of takeaways that I had from this match. Number one, we talk about it whenever I'm on the show and you guys bang the bang the drum on this, but the Sheamus Renaissance and Clash of the Castle has been absolutely unreal. In addition to that, you've got Solo Sokoa, who you could theoretically argue since he debuted at Clash of the Cancel 2 that this guy is having a rookie of the year campaign uh, in WWE and in addition to that are we looking at a future world champion at Kolo Kikoa given the pedigree and the potential going forward I'm kind of thinking yes this is a match in which we are looking at the past and the future and in a moment of now and I enjoyed all of it. And that's what's important. Best storyline in wrestling today. And if you enjoy it, that's a win because you watch a whole lot of stuff on me. You watch a lot oh, yeah. of wrestling. So for you to love it, that's definitely a good thing. As we are getting ready for Money in the Bank going down this Saturday at the O2 Arena in London, England. I'm very excited for this show. 3 o'clock p.m. start time on the East Coast. A little bit better than that. 12 Pacific stuff. Or, you know, well, a little bit better than 9 Pacific for the West Coasters out there. 12 Pacific is a bit better for our West Coast brothers and sisters. As we briefly preview Money in the Bank, this really will come down to the Money in the Bank ladder matches. Let's skip everything else. Let's talk about who's walking away with the briefcase. Let's start with the women, shall we? So we got Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark in the mix. Also in this match is Bailey, Eosky as well. And I think there's one more person I'm missing, but it was supposed to be Shotzi trying to qualify for money in the bank against Bailey. If she could beat her, she's in the match. But then guess what? The match was scrapped because Vince had his hands in the cookie jar for reasons we can't get into. But 
based on the names I have announced for this match. Might be missing somebody. My apologies. I'm so sorry. But Scott, your pick as to who you think is going to walk away as Miss Money in the Bank and my missing person is Zelina Vega. Thank you very much. Well, don't worry. It wasn't going to be Zelina Vega anyway. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I I think Io Sky takes it. I think it, we continue to the dissension with Bailey. I think Bailey gets extremely jealous, um, and I think we're eventually going to get that Io Sky Oscar match. I think this briefcase can definitely play into that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Io Sky is going to be my pick to take it. I like that pick a lot. I will reveal my pick after Jeremy reveals his pick for Miss Money in the Bank 2023. Yeah, I think I'm going to rule out Selena Vega. I'm going to take Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, and Trish Stratus off the board with each all three of those together. It does come down to Bailey versus EO Sky for me. And so Scott took EO Sky. I'm going to go with Bailey. Hmm. Look at you playing opposites, Dave. I do like the pick. I'm going to lean with EO Sky as well to finally submit herself as a baby face on SmackDown. I think it's her time now. The her, the, her performance at Backlash of Puerto Rico, San Juan, like those fans loved her and they were ready for a title change that night when she was facing Bianca Belair for the then SmackDown Women's Championship or shall I say Raw Women's Championship until we ended the confusion with our new belts in the last couple of weeks or so. But I do since it's EO's time now to be in the running for a major championship in WWE and winning the briefcase would be a great way to facilitate that. This should be an interesting, this should be a very interesting matchup. You got some talented people in the mix. Should be a lot of fun. And as Jeremy suggested, just cross out Becky, Zoe, and Trish. They will eliminate themselves somehow, some way. And also to Trish, unlimited cheddar biscuits for life. My God, like a wondrous ageless wonder for her in WWE and still not missing a beat in the ring. And I love that for her as well. And now it is time for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. The Magnificent Seven, Logan Paul, Santos Escobar in the mix. We've got Damian Priest. We've got Ricochet. We've got Shinsuke Nakamura, L.A. Knight, and one more person in the mix as well, if I can remember. Butch. I'm sorry, Pete Dunn. Almost forgot about you. Thank you, Jeremy, for coming through in the clutch. Seven talented guys could go down as one of the most exciting, athletic, money-in-the-bank matches in history. But, Scott, who's your pick to be Mr. Money-in-the-bank 2023? So I think this really comes down to a three, three-headed three race. I think you got two clear-cut favorites and then Damian Priest as kind of your dark horse. Logan Paul, L.A. Knight comes down to those two. Man, I, I really like the story of Logan Paul walking around with that briefcase just dangling over Seth Rollins head and him just dangling over the fans head like yo I can literally cash this in and become world champion whenever I want and just yeah I I think Logan Paul takes it man and I'm I'm here for the meltdown that will happen after he wins 
I will not melt down. I'll have a parade. I will celebrate because I do love Logan Paul as a wrestler. Human being, I'm still working my way through it. But as a wrestler, he is highly entertaining. And, you know, I ain't going to be mad. I'm going to be thrilled if he walks away with the championship by cashing in. But Jeremy, your pick, who you got for Mr. Money in the Bank this year? Logan Paul is a good choice. Damian Priest, I'm going to rule out because he just had a title match with Seth Rollins. And yes, there is meat on the bone for a face turn uh, and a potential chance to do that again. But frankly speaking, I know that WWE is all about the American nightmare, but I think they really need to get behind the LA nightmare as well. Hmm. Hmm. I like that option as well. L.A. Knight, I think that he could be a dark horse for sure. He is clearly a fan favorite despite being a heel right now in WWE. My pick, I'm going to go with Logan Paul. You know, this is a guy that can really cause trouble as Mr. Money in the Bank dangling that briefcase over a whole lot of people's heads. And I think that deep down, he wants to run it back with Seth. I think he's a little disappointed by the WrestleMania match. It was very good. But even when he said, you know what? I could have did a little bit something more. And I like that, the reassessment of I could have did something a little bit different. It wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I think if they ran it back, it'll be a lot better. So yeah, give me Logan Paul as Mr. Money in the Bank because I think he'll be a hell of a guy to carry that briefcase around, possibly having Bronson Reed as his proxy along the way. And when the time comes from the cash in, I'm going to be happy. I'm popping bottles because I like Logan Paul as a wrestler. Human being, I'm still growing into it. But as a wrestler, he's excellent. And with that, it's now time for us to pick the best match we saw from WWE TV this week. So, Jeremy, as our special guest, across Raw, SmackDown, NXT Level Up, hell, even main event, which had some nuggets in the last few months. What is your pick for the best thing you saw on WWE TV this week? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle to the best thing that I saw because it was not a match. And I debated this for a while, but... The best thing that I saw on WWE TV this week was the face-off between Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez that I guarantee is going to lead to one of the biggest feuds coming up in the next calendar year for WWE. This is something you need to circle. This is something you need to watch. The fact that they teased it and then took the opportunity for Raquel to even sniff the opportunity against Rhea Ripley told you so much about the future plans. I am all about this uh, tease and feud. I like that too. And I still get chills at the icy stare down between Rhea and Becky Lynch late last year. That stare down still gives me goosebumps. And it was very recently that Rhea did give Becky Lynch a little look again on the monitor backstage. So she's got two feuds in the iron right now with Raquel Rodriguez and Becky Lynch down the road as well. And Raquel and Rhea had an excellent feud on NXT a couple of years ago. Halloween Havoc says hello. That was a classic battle. The last the last woman standing match was very good as well. So the only thing I want, Jeremy, real talk, is for Raquel to stop fucking smiling. Let her be back to the mean mugging Raquel Gonzalez before the Rodriguez entered the conversation. 
in fact, bring back her motorcycle as well. I want the full Raquel experience minus smiling on this show. She is 100% the next big uh, investment that they need to get behind in WWE. Yes, just realign her as a badass and we're good to go. But Scott, your pick for the best thing you saw on WWE television this week could be a match, could be a moment that really caught your eye. So I don't, it's, it's probably not the best, but I think the most surprising match and when I was really caught off guard and enjoyed a lot, uh, the triple threat tag team match from NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I specifically enjoyed uh, Outcast. I thought they showed up and showed out, you know? They definitely dropped some bombs over Baghdad a couple times on those dives. You know I what I'm saying? It. And um, <laughs> listen, let me let me just let me just say I thought they were I thought like genuinely I thought they were really good. I, I thought they were really good, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. So the triple threat I love is my, uh, my match of the I week. love them. Hank and Tank were good too. too. They were good too. I I I thought all three of them played their role. And let me tell you, Briggs, I think Briggs is I think he's Mm -hmm. wasted in that tag team. But all three of the teams did really well. But yeah, Outcast was fantastic. Oh my God. I knew you was gonna do a bombs over Baghdad joke. I don't know why. I just know you too well. You can't help yourself. But yeah. Sorry, Miss Jackson. He's for real. I know he never made he never meant to make his daughter cry. I know, I know. It just he's extra. He hasn't he's, even apologized one time, let alone a thousand though. So. I know. For, forever, forever, ever, yeah, forever, ever. ever. yeah. Ever. Uh, <laughs> like I, I just knew it. I just knew he was going to say something related to Outcast because he can't help himself. But it was a very fun tag team match, triple threat style, and I love me some Hank and Tank too, and Tank. He's like to me the second coming of Otis. I love him. He has such a he great can shake it like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> he can. That's pretty good. I love. I love Tank. Good. He has great potential. He's had a handful of matches on TV. I I love him. He has something that is going to make him a star imminently in this business. I truly see that for him. I like. I like Hank too. You know, I feel about Anofe and Malik Blade, Outcast, my boys. Andre 2000, big boy, shout out to them. <laughs> Brooks and Dunn, they've improved dramatically. Josh Briggs is a problem. He really is a hoss out there. He could be a great single star someday in WWE, but this was really a nice showcase of what the future could be for tag teams on NXT and hopefully the main roster someday as well. My pick this week is a party match, the main event of Monday Night Raw, Judgment Day versus KO, Sami Zayn, and the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. A lot of fun on Monday great victory for the baby faces heading into their respective money in the bank of SmackDown matches for their titles and Cody versus Dom this Saturday at the PLE money in the bank. And on that note, this wraps up this week's episode of the wrap right here on the Fiking media network. Thank you so much for listening. I want to shout out my co-captain Scott young, who has been salty, sassy, jolly, a little tipsy this week as well, alongside Jeremy Feinstone, one of the hardest working people on the Fiking media network doing triple duty this week, covering so many things, WWE, new Japan, AEW forbidden door, a big weekend for everybody, but thank you guys for being with me today, recapping the week that was for WWE. And thank you for all the hard work you do, Keela. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Keela. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. 
I did pop that bottle, but I finished it. <laughs> and uh, but uh, great time to sign off. I'm looking forward to next week. We got Money in the Bank, huge pay per view uh, or PLE. I'm looking forward to reviewing that with you. And um, yeah, it's gonna be a. And Jeremy, thank you for completing the the strong style uh, uh, double team there. Uh, we had Steven on a couple weeks ago, and now you completed. Uh, finishing it off the month with a little strong style. So thank you for joining us as well. Hit the bifecta. I didn't know what it, how it could be a trifecta. So was, that's what I was throwing out to. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me, guys. I, I, I always love coming on this show, uh, getting to talk AEW, WWE, and New Japan. Uh, all in one week, uh, seems like I'm covering a lot, but it was truly great to get a breath of fresh air and talk about wwe this week we always love having you jeremy and now we have rose conda forever to look forward to for next year's wrestlemania because you brought it into existence today always love having you here fun conversations as always and that's a wrap guys for this week we'll be back next sunday morning because it is a ple for money in the bank going down saturday three o'clock p.m eastern 12 pacific on Peacock from a Comcast people out there, Xfinity, they, they making us pay for this shit now. So pay accordingly <laughs> starting this week. The, the trial is over. If you're not paying now, start paying now. Get that $2.99 ready. The promotional deal is coming our way very soon. But for everybody else, you're already paying. Congrats to you. But to my Xfinity subscribers, the free, the free experience is coming to an end. <laughs> but we're going to be all right. But with that, enjoy the week to come for WWE Across, NXT, Raw, and SmackDown. And of course, we'll be back Sunday morning for our Money in the Bank review right here on the Fike Media Network. For myself, for Salty, Jolly, Tipsy, Scott Young, and Jeremy Feinstone, that's a wrap for all things WWE. Take care and bye-bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.